We are smack dab in the middle of our five psalm series of the Hallelujah Psalms at the end. And uh, I have the wonderful privilege of of, uh, preaching Psalm 148. And uh, you can turn there uh, if you want to be ready. But uh, uh, I want to pose a question to us. And uh, it's not a, a, a super complicated question or fancy. Uh, it's, in fact, um, a question that, that all of humanity has been asking uh, a long time. And uh, it's, why are we here? But in this context, I'm, I'm wanting us to ask ourselves, why are we here in this room today? But but uh, uh, as we the psalm unfolds, we'll see this question applies uh, to the end of the psalm. This question applies to our life, and this question applies uh, to each and every moment of our day, each and every breath, each and every heartbeat. Why are we here? And uh, you, you you know why why did you come to First Baptist West uh, uh, today? Why are you in this seat that you're in right now? Um, maybe, maybe out of habit. Maybe out of obligation. Uh, because that's what's expected of you uh, for, for some uh, yourself or, or from others. Or maybe uh, curiosity drove you here today. Or maybe there's just a desperate need. Uh, and and you, you came here to the house of the Lord seeking an answer or seeking a solution. Or maybe, uh, young people, you have no choice. <laughs> um, some of these are good and right reasons to be here. I, I'm, I'm not saying, especially young people, the, the no choice part. Uh, but, uh, uh, or there could be a lot of other reasons why you're in this seat right now. And, and maybe like me, you're a mixture. It, it's... There's a lot of different reasons kind of all coming together. But I often find myself, uh, unfortunately, falling into this is what we always do, or this is what I do, and, and, and I don't give it any thought whatsoever. And I, I come in, and I, I greet people, and, and I love the Lord, but I just sit down. And I don't think about the intentionality of why we're here. And, and I believe that's what this psalm and many of the others, and in fact all of the Word of God, wants us to do. To do everything we, we are created to do. To do what we are meant to do on purpose. In fact, uh, when I was a pastor, uh, I found myself sometimes struggling at the end and, and at the altar call. And, and I realized one day I wasn't expecting anyone to walk forward. And when a pastor gets in a place like that, that's bad. You don't preach with power. You don't expect God to move in, in, in the church. And, and what kind of sermons uh, does that produce? I, I'm, thankfully, there's no recorded uh, uh, thing of that. But, uh, but yeah. What are you expecting when you came in this door? What are you expecting right now? Are you expecting God of the universe to speak to us? And not that He can't break through our stony heart, but when we get our heart in the right place, 
it, it, it just sets us up for what God wants to say to us. It sets us up for our true purpose which is to know God, to glorify Him, to worship Him, and enjoy Him forever. I kind of took the classic answer and expanded it a bit. Because I'm, I'm pulling. But, but, uh, but that's why we're here. Or that's why we should be. And so maybe, maybe like you, you've, you've got kind of mixed baggage in that. But that's okay. We can recenter ourselves. And I want to encourage us, not just for this sermon, but for every sermon, and not just for Sunday, but for every day, to have that intentionality, to realize that we are created for a purpose, that God has good works for us in advance, and to, to just step into that, to expect God to move, to expect God to speak. And so I wanted to set that up uh, before we read Psalm 148, but I want to encourage us to do that all the time. And it's really going to... We'll, we'll come back to that when we get to the end of the psalm. But if, if you are, are able, please stand as we read Psalm 148. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise Him in the heights. Praise Him, all His angels. Praise Him, all His hosts. Praise Him, sun and moon. Praise Him, all you shining stars. Praise Him, you highest heavens, and you waters above the heavens. Let, those, let them praise the name of the Lord, for He commanded, and they were created, and He established them forever and ever. He gave a decree, and it shall not pass away. Praise the Lord from the earth, you great, and, you great sea creatures in all depths, fire and hell, snow and mist, Stormy, uh, stormy wind fulfilling, fulfilling his word. Mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars, beasts and all livestock, creeping things and flying birds, kings of the earth and all people, princes and all rulers of the earth, young men and maidens together, old men and children. Let them praise the name of the Lord. For His name alone is exalted. His majesty is above earth and heaven. He has raised up a horn for His people. Praise for all His saints, for the people of Israel who are near to Him. Praise the Lord. Amen. You may be seated. And I, I want to start out by talking about the structure of Psalm 148. And I'm, I'm a little hesitant on this because it's, it's kind of like uh, bringing someone to a, a great concert hall to hear a professional orchestra and, and, and to hear this amazing masterpiece. I'm a particular fan of Bach, but, but you can put whatever composer you want in place. And... and and then you're bringing maybe a child or someone new and you want them to appreciate uh, just, the, just the genius of this music. And you start explaining all the different instruments of the orchestra and, and maybe other things. And, and, and next thing you know, the, the song has started and, and, and you're like, oh, oh, oh wait, this party's going to repeat the theme. And, 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 and the person's just sitting there, will you shut up? Because, because, of course, art was meant to be enjoyed. And, and, you know, you can pick it apart so much that you lose that. 
And, and, and I, I really feel like all of God's Word is meant to be enjoyed, but especially the Psalms and the prophetic poetry and stuff is meant to convey feeling and, and beauty to engage our head and our heart and, and, and all that we are. And so I, I do want to describe this structure, but I, I, I want to encourage us to go home and let me shut up. <laughs> And, and meditate on the psalm yourself so that you can see the beauty of it. And, and I, I'm kind of fortunate. Of the five psalms, uh, I get the one that has uh, the most clear structure. And so uh, 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 the psalmist divides his psalm into two parts. And, uh, and then he, he's driving the entire psalm uh, in, into one main point at the very end. And, and uh, the first part is the heavens. And the second part is the earth. And he's loosely following the creation story. And so as we're, we're seeing this psalm unfold, we're, we're supposed to, to kind of be drawn back into the story of creation. And looking at the story of creation, it comes to one focal point. That man and women are created in the image of God and given dominion over the earth. And, and they're spoken of as uh, almost a, a kingly uh, wording and imagery. And, and the reality is more princely and princessly uh, imagery because God is our true king. And, and he never stopped being that and he always will be. But, but he shares his royalty. He shares his gift with us. And he calls us uh, to take care of the earth back in that creation story. And so the psalmist is, is loosely following that creation story. And, and, and then he comes home uh, uh, to one final point. And... and and as I, I read and reread the psalm and I, I began to, to see the structure and just meditate on its beauty, I, I feel like the psalmist is the conductor of, of this, this great cosmic symphony, almost like a, a Mickey in The Sorcerer's Apprentice, and he's calling up the waves and stuff, and he gets a big head, but, but Mickey's... Mickey's not God, and and so, or or even better, one of my favorite Disney films is is The Little Mermaid, and Sebastian, who's the royal music uh, uh, conductor, uh, needs to help uh, uh, Ariel. She's got to get that one true kiss. And, and there's that moment where the Kiss the Girl song happens. And Sebastian calls up all the sea creatures. And he even, you can see him calling the wave, blowing over the winds and stuff. And, and, and that doesn't even compare to what this, the psalmist is doing. And the psalmist is calling on all of creation to join in the praise of God. To, to do what it was created to do. And so, uh, as we unpack it, our main idea that we're driving to, and we'll, we'll, I'll point this out in, in greater detail when we get there, but it's all driving up to the very last verse, that the Lord has raised up a horn of salvation for His people. And we need to praise God, our victorious Savior. That is the main idea. That is what I've been just repeating over and over in my head. Praise God, our victorious Savior. Amen. 
And so, uh, 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 looking at the heavens, verses 1 through 6. It's, it's interesting. I, I just really appreciate uh, what the psalmist does because he, he starts with the furthest outer heaven. And, and, and in the Hebrew mindset, uh, you may or may not know, they, they refer to it as heavens, plural, because they kind of divided uh, what they saw up above them into three categories. Uh, first heaven uh, would be kind of the blue sky where the birds fly, and, and it's and many times uh, referred to as the waters above. And so, uh, you know, I, I love that imagery. You're sailing along and you've got the waters below. Well, you've got a blue sky above, so that must be water too. Um, and, and so uh, the first heaven is the sky. And the second heaven is the celestial heaven. The stars and the moons and, and all the stuff that we would see at night. And then third heaven uh, is, is what we would most often refer to as just heaven. It's, it's the spiritual heaven, the, the, the place that we will one day go uh, uh, to join God, uh, although Revelation says it'll be on the earth, the new heavens and the new earth. And, and, and so let's just wait and see. I think it's going to be good. But, uh, but yeah, and, and, and in fact, Paul even refers to uh, uh, one of his letters. He knew a guy that had a vision, and he went up to third heaven. He's basically saying the guy went before God kind of like Isaiah in his vision. And, and, and some people think Paul's just modestly talking about himself, that he was the one that had this, that vision. And so when they say the heavens, they mean all of it, everything above us. And, and so the psalmist starts with the, with, with the third heaven. He's calling on the hosts of heaven to praise God, which is interesting because I don't think he has to do that. They do that already. And in fact, here's, here's the sad part. Everything he calls on already praises God, except us. Except us. Sin has entered this world. Again, pulling us right back to the creation story. The very problem, the very uh, root of all things that, that is preventing us from being our created purpose. Sin. And so he calls on the hosts of heaven to praise God, and then he calls on the stars and the second heaven to praise God, and, and the first heaven. And, and, and then in, in verse 5, the first part of verse 5, he says, let them praise the Lord. And, and, uh, and so uh, he, he, he's conducting this great praise of God, asking all of creation to to join in, and then he talks about why, uh, the first glimpse we see of why we should uh, praise the Lord. And, and in this first section, in the heavens, God is, is acting. He is doing stuff, and it's already done, but it has lasting, uh, uh, lasting consequences. And, and the first one, uh, the second half of, of verse 5, is God created. He commanded, and then uh, it got created. It was established by His Word. And then the second one in verse 6, God established, and it's forever and ever. What did He establish? Well, creation. And then God decreed, and it shall not pass away. 
everything that God does fulfills its purpose. Um, and uh, um, the heavens... Uh, you know, uh, there's so many verses in the Bible. A couple just popped in my head, and I was about to throw them out. But stick to the script. And uh, but the the heavens, uh, uh, Psalm 19:1, I think is 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 kind of one of my favorites. Declare the handiwork of God. All throughout the Psalms, all throughout the Old Testament. In fact, Paul Paul understood this in, in Romans chapter one. He. He talks about those who have have sinned against God and who are so rebellious that they've hardened their hearts. And he says that they're without excuse. Uh, you can go back and read it, but uh, in Romans chapter one, verses eighteen through twenty, he says he says, you know what? We can look at creation and realize there's a creator. And not only that, we can realize that he has certain divine astri- attributes that are invisible. And, and Paul doesn't really go much more into it than that. But he basically says, we all can look at creation because creation declares the handiwork of God, that there is a creator. And so the heavens are already doing that. But the psalmist calls on them to, to, to join him in this great praise of God. And then in the second section, we move uh, to from the earth. And, and so, so the first section is, is starting as far out and it kind of comes down. And then the second section, he starts as far out again as he can. He starts with the depths of the sea. And, and, uh, and then it, it gets a little loosey, you know, uh, uh, he, he's not doing it perfect. But then he moves on to the, the, the sky and the mountains and the hills. And, and he's coming back in from two different directions. And, and, and he's loosely following the creation order. And then you would expect mankind, kings of the earth, in verses 11 through 12. And, and uh, just to read them again, kings of the earth and all peoples, princes and all rulers of the earth, young men and maidens together, old men and children I would think he would have done that in the other order, to be honest. <laughs> End with kings of the earth, uh, you know. And so I, I really was wondering, why did he do it in the order that he did? And because he wants to draw us back into that creation story and how Adam and Eve were, were set as dominion over all the earth, a prince and princess uh, to multiply and, and fill the earth. And that's exactly what they did. Even though they sinned and, and, and uh, uh, they did fulfill that part, we're here today. And so from the, that one king and queen, figuratively speaking, we have all the peoples of the earth. And so the psalmist, I think, is just envisioning starting with them and then going out. And there have been many kings since many rulers, many princes, and all the way down to kind of, kind of the lowest people. Like if anyone gets ignored, if anyone gets uh, uh, shoved to the side, it's old people and children. I mean, that's why uh, uh, Naomi was, was, was thought she was ruined. She had lost her husband, she had lost her two sons, and she said, I've got nothing. 
I'm going to go home and, and just kind of suffer. Is, is, and and she, she even the wording she uses is, is uh, she says God is at war with her. And he wasn't, but that's how she felt. And so the psalmist wants to draw us into this creation story, and he's calling upon all of creation. And, and the point is that men and women were created for a purpose. Why are we here? We were created for a purpose. And, and, and our purpose was to know and glorify God, uh, to worship Him and enjoy Him forever. And that purpose has been marred. That purpose has been prevented. In fact, it's, it's so harsh that Ezekiel says we have a heart of stone. <laughs> Paul says that we were dead in our trespasses. And we simply cannot come to God on our own. We, sin has messed it up that much. Sin has separated us from God. Sin has prevented us from fulfilling our created purpose. You know, a lion is lionly all the time. A lion, by being a lion, is worshiping God because he's fulfilling his created purpose. But we have the choice. We have the option. And God invites us. And thank goodness, through the blood of Jesus Christ, that we can answer that. That we can be restored to our created purpose. And so... The psalmist, uh, you know, doesn't know Jesus Christ yet. And so he, he's looking at, at humanity and how humanity often falls short of their created purpose, so much so that, that the flood came and, and you have Noah and, and kind of creation 2.0. And, and, uh, but all throughout history, you, you have humanity making bad choices because of our sinful heart and, and, and God calling us back to himself. And God is continually redeeming his people, preserving some, and, and making sure that his decrees, as the psalmist said, will not pass away. It will endure. It will achieve its purpose. And so in, in, in verse 13a, uh, he says, let them again. Let the earth and all that is on the earth praise God. And then this time, instead of saying uh, stuff that God did, he just talks about who God is. And he says, his name is exalted. Uh, uh, his majesty is above earth and heaven. And that's why I really think that the psalmist is doing this entire thing to drive to one point. Sebastian was doing everything to get one kiss. The psalmist is, is trying to drive us to this one point. Our very created purpose has been marred by sin. But God is, is just, God is holy, God is graceful and merciful, and He has 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 preserved his people he has redeemed his people time and time again and he brings them back to himself even though we don't deserve it and so that is why he he closes with with earth and heaven to kind of capstone the whole whole lead in and then and then in verse 14 he has raised up a horn for his people praise for all the saints and so 
the next really good question is, what does he mean by the horn for his people? And there's two popular answers, and, and, and the one is a, a, a ram's horn or trumpet-like instrument uh, that, that would toot, <laughs> that would uh, trumpet the announcement of victory. It, it's a symbol of victory. But the other uh, quick imagery that, that many of us will go to is that the, the very altar at the, at the Holy of Holies has horns, uh, uh, and, and you could go to those, those horns of the altar for, for safety, for protection, uh, and, you know, and, and, and so which is it? Is it, is it victory? Is, is, it, is it salvation? Is it, is it protection? Yes, yes. You saw where I was going. Thank you. And so, yes, and, and, and that's why I say, praise the Lord, our victorious Savior. I tried to encompass it all. And so the psalmist wants us humans to join him uh, in, in, in this praise of God. And we can join him because God is our victorious Savior. God could have wiped out humanity and started afresh so many times all throughout history. But he didn't. Instead, he preserved. Instead, he redeemed. Uh, He called out. One of my favorite pictures is Rahab. In the midst of of the, the Canaanites who had hardened their hearts against God for hundreds and hundreds of years, someone recognized who God was, realized that he is the one true God, realized that she needed to be a part of his side and not all the pagan religions that she was brought up in. And and God could have said, oh no, sorry, I've slated your land for destruction. You, you, You people had hundreds of years and you hardened your heart. Sorry, Rahab, too late. No. God does not turn any repentant heart away. And that's his desire. And that's what the psalmist is calling us to do. Because the reality is, our created purpose is to be the pinnacle, to lead the way in the worship of God. We are supposed to call all of creation. We are supposed to be leaders of the worship of God, to proclaim his greatness, to to tell everybody how wonderful he is. And so you may not think of yourself this way, uh, but I hope you do when you leave. You are leaders. All of humanity is meant to be a leader in, in, in our true purpose, which is worship of God. But it gets better. Because we ruin that by sin. We sinned against God. But Jesus Christ came. God in the flesh. And he laid down his life to pay for our sins. And he rose again as proof that that payment was sufficient. And as hope that we too will one day rise again too. And he restored us not someday in the future. He restored us then. And those people that were following Jesus... Uh, later receive the Holy Spirit and they're a special group because they kind of got all that stuff that usually happens in, in a single moment of salvation. It gets stretched out for them. But that's done, but it has lasting effects for all eternity. 
And we've been restored to our created, created purpose. And now, as uh, I'm thankful for Danny, uh, I, I really, I told him I've been studying this psalm and, and sing to the king keeps popping in my head. And, and the song of the redeemed, and I noticed a lot of the other songs really lined up with that. And that's what we are. That's who we'll be for all eternity in heaven. We'll get to see the song of the redeemed. Because it's not just that, that we're the top and the pinnacle and we're, we're called to join the family of God, it's, it's that He loved us so much that He didn't cast us aside, but instead died for our sake to restore us. And so we need to praise God, uh, our victorious Savior, but more specifically, Jesus Christ. Jesus the Christ. I, I wrote the Christ in my notes because sometimes, again, we lose our intentionality about stuff. Christ isn't his name. It's his title, or one of his many titles. He's the Messiah, is the Hebrew word. He is the anointed one, is how it translates. He is the one chosen by God to redeem us. And he's God himself. And so Jesus the Christ, our victorious Savior. And so I mentioned that all throughout the Old Testament, you can just see picture after picture, story after story, life after life of God calling and and not turning away anyone who answers that call. And of course, we find the perfect fulfillment, the, the, the finished work. That's why when Jesus was on the cross and he says, it is finished, I, I always, as a young Christian and as a, as a young person, I always thought, okay, yeah, okay, it's done, Jesus. Yeah, that is so powerful. The work of rest, restoring humanity back to God is done. And we can praise him for that. And, and so, but... As, as we look into the psalm, he has raised up a horn for his people, praise for all his saints, for his people of Israel who are near to him. And this is a reality that we still live with today. This offer is for all. But only those who accept it will be near to God. God is near to us. <laughs> And, and I think one of the lies of, of our sinful heart, and, and sh- surely the, the demonic forces will play into this, but, but I don't want to give them all the credit. Surely one of the lies of our sinful heart is, is I, I know I've fallen prey to this, is that God is far off. That is a big, old, fat, sinful lie. God is near. And when we ask Him to forgive us, when we ask Him to be our Lord or Savior, we call that putting faith in Christ. Uh, When we repent, we turn from our sins and we turn to God. When we do that, we receive the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And so not only is God really near, He dwells within us, but now we're near to Him. And then on top of that, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, even as we are fully known, one day we will see Him clearly. Right now we just see Him dimly. And Paul longed for that. Paul yearned for that. Paul had a mindset of our true purpose. And and he longed for the full restoration of that. 
He worked for it. He shared it for every person who was willing to hear. You too can be restored to God. We do have purpose and meaning. God created us for that and we messed it up. But the good news is you can be restored through faith in Jesus Christ. So Jesus Christ is our victorious Savior. He is the one that we praise. He is the one that we will look to uh, for all eternity. And, you know, there's tons of songs. We're going to see those scars. Those scars are going to be the most beautiful thing that we've ever seen in our entire lives. Because they mean everything. They mean how much God loves us and what He was willing to do to bring us back. And so he doesn't just stop at the perfect, complete work of Christ that brought, that paved the way. God is still calling today. And of course, he worked in the book of Acts, and he worked all the way until the close of all the, the books of the New Testament. And, and he worked all throughout church history, and God is still at work today, speaking and acting and calling and will we join the call? Will we answer the call that the psalmist is calling all of creation to join? Will we worship God and sing the song of the redeemed? So I ask us, why are we here? And we really only fall into two camps. And maybe, maybe why you walked through those doors today was a very different reason. But I hope that I've encouraged us to draw close to the true reason of why we should be here. It's to know God, to glorify Him, to worship Him and enjoy Him forever. That is the purpose of humanity. So why are we here today? Have you asked Jesus to forgive your sins or have you repented of them? Have you asked Him to be the Lord of your life? You know, it doesn't have to be a specific way. You just have to mean it in your heart and ask Him to forgive you and be your Lord and then, then follow Him all the rest of your days. Have you done that? The good news is God has paved the way for that to happen and He wants that to happen, but He's not going to push you through the door. God is a gentleman, as C.S. Lewis likes to say. He invites us, He calls us, He stands at the door knocking, even though that was for the church. <laughs> I think it applies to non-Christians as well. So if you've never done that today, I hope that you have an expectation that God can do that. Yeah. I have that expectation. My hope is that you will do that today. Amen. And for those of us who have done that, are we living in that reality today? Does it shape every thought, every action, every problem, every challenge? This is easy to say, not as easy to do. I find myself sometimes showing up without any intentionality. I find myself focusing on my worries, on my troubles, on, on, on my anger, and sometimes I think I'm righteous and justified in it, but our, my focus is entirely off base. My focus should be on God and His redemptive story 
in all of history and his redemptive story in my life. And I want some magic formula, some magic wand, because when we're in our troubles, when we're in our trials and our challenges, we want something that will just make them fix instantly. Let me tell you, that doesn't happen until heaven. And by then it's too late. But I want to encourage you in this. I have struggled with forgiveness and I've talked to some very godly men uh, through my life that have encouraged me to press into the true word of God and, 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 and stop listening to feelings, stop listening to the philosophies of this word, world. And, and you want something that will instantly take all these emotions and all these horrible feelings, the shame and the regret and everything else away. It doesn't happen. But I tell you what, when you're standing before a trial as one who's already redeemed, who's already made that choice, and, and all that is in you wants you to crawl under your desk and not deal with the world anymore, it's not easy. But when you look at, I have God, I have Christ, I have all eternity with Him, it doesn't make the emotions get away but it gives you the power to stand up and do what God has called you to do. And I can also tell you, even though I still fall prey to this, the more you do it, the better you get at it. And so this is my final call for those of us who have already asked Jesus to to forgive our sins and be our Lord and Savior. This is my final call. Just as the psalmist encourages us to step into that position of leadership at the pinnacle of creation, praising God, we need to remind each other to do the same. To step into the, the very created purpose that we have in praising God. And the only way we can do that in our remembrance, 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 I was going to say remembrance and reminding, but I combined them together. Uh, in our remembrance, that it's only by the blood of Christ that we can do that. And so that's why we sing the song of the redeemed, because it, it changed everything. And we we can remind each other. And it won't instantly just vanish away all the emotions, but it will give us the power and the strength to stand up and do what God has called us to do. And part of that is, is to remind each other, and part of that is to share it with others so that they can sing the song of the redeemed too. And so that is the one, and it's a powerful one, the one point of Psalm 148. Why are we here? Did you expect to hear from God? I hope you did. God has been speaking to me for a month now through this psalm. And and I encourage you, go home and, and meditate it on your own. Let me shut up and just listen to God. 